Welcome to the Seller Roundtable e-commerce coaching and business strategies with Andy Arnott and Amy Wees. Hey, what's up, everybody? Welcome to Seller Roundtable number 24. This is Andy Arnott with... Amy Wees. And we are super excited today to have Peter Highbloom on with us. He is a Amazon seller and uh, an insurance agent slash broker, I guess you would call it. <laughs> Welcome, Peter. Thanks so much for, uh, for being on today. Good morning, Andy. Thanks for having me on. Hi, Amy. Hello. Yeah, so... so we're... winter's morning here in Queensland, actually. It's still dark <laughs> outside, but I'm, I'm up and ready to talk insurance. Yeah, thank you so much for getting up early. We appreciate that. Uh, it's always uh, in the in the Amazon world, you know. It's always uh, you know what time is it where uh, you know between the Amazon business and the software business I run, it's like you know I have staff in the Philippines and China and in India. You know, it's just like you know every time of day, <laughs> it's trying to coordinate all those time zones. So so uh, that's that's always fun. All right. Okay. So let's. Uh, Let's get started. So, um, Peter, uh, we always like to get a little bit of background on our on our guests. Um, you know, uh, where you're from, where you're born, where you live now. Um, you know, anything in the past you want to mention? Anything you want to exclude? <laughs> Feel free. <laughs> uh, look, I'm uh, coming at you this morning from Queensland in Australia. Um, I was born in um, New South Wales. Um, my parent, my my parents. Quite early on, did a uh, did a personal development seminar and uh, changed changed their life. Dad was working as an accountant. My mum was a school teacher. They left New South Wales and they moved up to Queensland and became boring hippies. In that uh, they they didn't smoke anything or do anything. They just sort of grew vegetables and, and, and lived in a, a crappy house and uh, put solar panels on their roof and pretended to be hippies and uh, escaped from the city. And I sort of grew up in that environment of, uh, wasn't, it wasn't exactly standard, but it certainly was an environment of do different things, try different opportunities, kind of get your mind looking out there as to what life could offer. So I, I grew up in that environment. Um, and I made it all the way through school, even uh, though I came from a hippie community. And uh, I went to university, but I never did anything with the degree. Um, by that stage, my father was was running workshops and uh, seminars for businesses on um, on personal development, and I worked as his program coordinator and eventually took over doing the presenting. So I worked as a motivational speaker for ten years. And wow. um, travelled all over the world as as a speaker, running conferences in Singapore, Dubai, throughout South Africa, Australia, and um, I was I worked too hard and spent too much time away, and um, I was married, had three kids at the time. Things fell apart at home. I got divorced. Everything fell apart. And I had to rebuild and uh, regroup and get myself back on track. So that's that's kind of uh, brought me to meeting Roxanne, and uh, I met her, and basically had nothing. I, I had the I had one stage a big house and that uh, was living the dream early in my life. Lost all that, started all over again. And when I met Roxanne, she was working in an insurance office, 
And uh, she only needed to be around me about a year and a half and I convinced her to leave a job, start her own business. And I got qualified as an insurance agent and we went into insurance and we built the fastest growing brokerage in our insurance group um, basically ever. Built that up over the course of five years and we, we sold it at the end of last year for, uh, for a good amount. And I had found Amazon by that stage. Uh, I wanted a side hustle because obviously uh, I don't like to sort of sit still for too long. So Amazon was my side hustle while we were building this insurance brokerage. And through just being around the community here in Australia, a lot of people said, oh, you're insurance, are you? Can you help me get some product liability? And of course, I just wanted to be of service to the community because, you know, when you're a newbie and you don't know anything, if someone further down the journey than you says, hey, can you help me? I mean, I just want to help because, heck, they know way more than me. They might be able to help me one day. So we went and researched product liability and it was really expensive. And no one in Australia wanted to do it. In fact, almost all, we went to like 17 different insurers. They all said no. And I thought, this is an opportunity. Because if there's there's a growing, you know, there's a growing Amazon community here in Australia. Amazon Australia had just launched, um, and that that moment was where I got the idea for online sellers insurance, and I took it to Roxanne, and she said, "All right, I'll, I'll see if I can help you find some cover for these people." And she kept hitting a um, a brick wall, and I thought, you know, the, this we could be on the cusp of something big here. Um, and like, yeah, look, as, as I said, at the end of last year, we basically um, stopped that normal. It was a plant machinery business we had before. So it was business insurance, like a lot of plant machinery, things like that. Lots of client meetings, lots of broken windscreens and damaged trucks and all of this sort of thing. And we just walked from that. We left our day job, all those clients, everything we built up. And now we've started on this journey. It brings me here to the first podcast I've, I've done with uh, guys in America talking insurance. But look, that's my story. I don't know if that was too long or too short, but that's the story. No, that, that's excellent. And you know what's fun is uh, I always like that. This is one of my favorite parts is um, – you know, hearing it, hearing about uh, how how many how somebody found the Amazon, uh, you know, game. It always seems like there's very few people who are like, yeah, I went to college to go be an Amazon seller, you know, or or to sell e-commerce. It's never really like um, in somebody's plan. Um, but one thing I want to point out that's really interesting is, and this is going to be a valuable lesson for you know anybody, whether it's insurance or Amazon or anything, is you know, finding a, uh, you know, something that's not served on your own. Like, so in other words, you know, not served by something that you need. So, you know, if you've got an Amazon business and, you know, you can't find, uh, you know, a label printer that, you know, that cuts a certain way or, you know, in other words, finding out, you know, where there's a pain point and then uh, researching it, <clears throat> excuse me, and figuring out that nobody's offering that right now. And, you know, usually if, if it's a pain point for you and you're in some kind of niche like that, somebody else is having those same pain points and to just go out and, and research it, of course, first. And then if you confirm that, then capitalize it. And it seems like that's what you guys did. So congrats on that. Yeah, thanks, Andy. Yeah, I loved how, um, Peter, you said that you, 
you know, nobody, everybody was slamming doors on you as far as product liability insurance in Australia. And you were like, well, some people would say, well, we, we just avoided it because everybody was slamming doors. And so now we outsource it or whatever. Right. But you looked at that and you, and you capitalized on it and you said, I saw an opportunity. <laughs> we can figure this out. We can help a lot of people. And, you know, it's a great opportunity for our business to serve a great clientele. So I love that, that idea and that you capitalized on. So that's really awesome. Uh, thanks, Amy. Yeah, no, no, no. It's a strange journey. It's funny, hey, how you get to, to where you are. But uh, it certainly wasn't a well laid out plan. It's just kind of evolved. Fantastic. So, uh, Peter, who needs uh, insurance? Um, you know, doesn't Amazon, <clears throat> excuse me, require Amazon insurance? So, um, you know, does, yeah. so, so, so. It does. Um, <clears throat> there's a good answer to that, actually, you know, Andy, because it depends on how you look at it. First of all, when you're running a business, you have insurance. You know, everyone has insurance, whether they start up a shoe shop, whether they go out as an electrician or a plumber or you know, you're doing hair and beauty and makeup, et cetera, you have product, li uh, product public liability uh, and you might look after your stock or your content and all these different things, you're running a business. So if you're a third party seller, and I'm gonna presume that most of the people today on the podcast would be third party sellers. And if you're sourcing a product in you know, China or India or in some country and you're putting your brand or your label on it and you're importing it to your country or selling it in any other country, from a legal point of view, you're deemed to be the manufacturer. So if the product fails or if someone gets hurt or their, their property gets damaged because of the use of that product, legally, you are responsible and that's what product liability insurance covers you for. So as just as a responsible small business, I know a lot of people start off, and I use this term as well, I started off doing this Amazon thing as a side hustle. You know, and oh, wouldn't it be great to make 50 grand a year doing nothing online, just having a coffee and flapping on my laptop. And, uh, that's the dream everyone gets sold, and we all know the reality. <laughs> it ain't quite that simple. And if, if you want to make serious money on Amazon or on any e-commerce platform, you've got to get serious, you know, that term. If you wanted, if it was too, if it was too good to be true, if it was too easy, everyone would do it. So as a responsible, serious business owner, you need product liability insurance. But if you're selling on Amazon, it's in their terms of service. So if you've got a professional seller account, and we're going to presume that most people who are serious would have a professional seller account. It's in their terms of service. Uh, Amazon says you're supposed to have uh, product or general liability insurance uh, for $1 million of cover. You know, you're required to have uploaded that and it needs to be on, in, on the insurance company's letterhead, not a binder. In other words, not, not a, a certificate of cover from a broker or an insurance agent. It's got to be from the insurance company. It also needs to note Amazon and its affiliates as interested parties on the certificate. That's very important. So basically what that means is, is you're sure insuring Amazon as well. So if your product fails, or if there is some sort of issue with your products and you and or Amazon get taken to court, they, Amazon can use your insurance policy as well 
the cover themselves. So that's why they want to be noted as the interested party. And I think the, the main thing is, is that there's requirements, but you need to have listed your products and have it done correctly. You can't get insurance for a tea towel, but be selling a pocket knife uh, and expect that to go through. But that kind of makes sense. But yes, that's why we need insurance. There's a couple of reasons. You do it because you're, you're running a small business and you want to be a responsible business owner, but also because it's required in Amazon's terms of service. Now, should they ask, you're required to show that policy. And I know we'll get to it later, but sometimes that's, it's not that easy to get insurance depending on what the product is. But let's just leave that answer at that for now, for those two points, Andy. Okay, so Peter, what you're saying is, is when you start on Amazon, um, you, you got your Lamborghini within about two months, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah. I was, I, was, I was sitting on jets drinking champagne. Okay, all right, just making sure. I, rent, I rented that jet for the photo shoot. <laughs> all right. <laughs> okay, so uh, that was all great information as well. Um, I did not realize that Amazon needs to be on the policy as well. I'm going to go check mine because I'm not sure if, if they are on my policy. Um, so what uh, can you explain the difference? Because I know a lot of people get confused with this uh, between like uh, product liability insurance and then like general business insurance. And then there's like umbrella insurance. I mean, there's like all these different kinds of insurance uh, that relate to Amazon. Can you kind of explain the difference between uh, the different types of insurance? Yeah, sure. So the, ins the insurance Amazon af is after is specifically for the products themselves and just any damage they would do. If you had business insurance, let's say you have those, you have those products and you're also you're selling them via a, a store or you've got some stock at home in your house or you've got it in a third-party logistics warehouse that's where your business insurance would come into play so a business insurance policy is going to cover your stock so we could, we could cover your transit insurance. And normally when I do a product liability insurance policy for people, I get their shipping and cargo included in that or bring it in as part of the package because we're, we're shipping so much so frequently. And honestly, those freight forwarders make us pay too much. The first time I did my first ever order, I remember it. I got charged very close to 300 US dollars for one container, sent it over to Amazon, first order ever. Um, now, I know now through research that for approximately 300 Australian dollars, I could get four shipments a year, up to $50,000 value, any one shipment, and it would have you know, cut my costs easily by 30%, but probably closer to half the price by dealing with the insurer or through your insurance uh, broker or agent, wherever you're located. What this means though for you as the seller, so this is a really good tip guys and a great tip for people who are new, you know, they haven't really had business insurance before. If you use an agent or a broker to help you and advise you with the insurance, not only will they hunt around and help to find you the best policy for exactly what you're doing, if you have an issue or a problem, you go to the broker or to the agent and they help you with the claim. That's huge if you're dealing with something which went wrong in China. 
because I can only imagine if we had to get on the telephone, because it's not your shipping agent. The shipping agent's just taking a product from um, someone who offers insurance in China, and goodness knows whether it's good or it's not good. I don't have any information on that, but I just know that that would be an absolute nightmare to try and fill out a claim form and try and recover some money for damaged stock or lost property because you got your insurance through a freight forwarder, it's the wrong way to do it. But a really good tip is if you if you book your insurance through an agent or a broker, if something goes wrong, they, they are the ones who help you through the claim process. They chase up with the insurer and that's that's what they do. So that makes a massive difference. So your business insurance policy would cover, yes, your shipping and cargo. Your shipping and cargo is from destination to end location. In other words, if you use a third-party logistics centre, and let's once you get going a little bit in Amazon, a lot of people do, right? That's where port to port finishes. So your your stock, let's say you buy order a twenty or a forty foot container, all this stock leaves China, it goes to your third-party logistics. That's where your shipping and cargo policy ends. So, Andy, if you had a good business insurance policy, you'd have your stock and contents covered at the third-party logistics centre for fire, theft, flood. If you had some stock at home in your house, you'd hopefully want to try and get that covered. There can be an issue with that under your normal home and contents policy, but there are ways to cover that as well. But then it would also cover... Public liability, this is all your business insurance policy. It would cover your public liability if you were then selling your stock through a shop. It would cover, um, you'd also probably be able to get cover for the product liability all in that one package. But most people don't have a physical storefront. And if you hunt and you do it correctly, your third-party logistics can often cover you for your stock and contents for fire damage. That You might have 50000 bucks worth of stock at your third-party logistics. That's another really good tip for people for today. Check that their third-party logistics centre, if they use one, has, has the proper cover for their stock. Because heaven forbid, if there's a fire, flood, etc., the roof blows off, all those things, you want to make sure your stock's covered. So that's what your business insurance covered. Product liability is just for the product and you can get an add-on for the shipping and cargo. It's a complicated answer, Andy, but that's the difference. You know, there's normal business. Specifically, though, we're focusing here on the product. Right. Okay, fantastic. Yeah, I think that'll clear it up for a lot of people. Plus, um, something you mentioned, which I think a lot of people don't realize. So when you go to a broker... Um, you know, a lot of people think that like when you're going to a broker, you're like paying extra fees or, you know, there's going to be some kind of like hidden, you know, in our experience, uh, you know, there might be, I, I don't want to say that as a blanket statement, but generally um, you're going to save money because like Peter mentioned, they shop around for you. So you're not going to, you know, normally if you're a business, you call, you know, whatever Joe Schmo's, uh, you know, insurance Inc. And you say, Hey, I want some business insurance. They're going to give you a quote and that's all you're going to get when you go to a broker, they're going to shop around. They're going to make like 20 calls and they also have personal relationships with a lot of these insurance companies. So they're going to shop around for you. Not only that, but um, I've got some personal experience with this, um, not necessarily in the business realm, but in, um, you know, general insurance, uh, you know, a couple of years ago, there were huge fires here. And uh, luckily 
uh, we have a, um, an insurance agent, um, a broker, my, it's, it's actually my wife's uncle, but it was great because instead of having to like call an 800 number and, you know, go through all that, like, kind of like you mentioned, Peter, I was just able to get him on the phone and he was able to take care of us right away. A lot of people, you know, we were evacuated and things like that for many days with, with, with him. It was like, he called, you got us a, you know, like an Airbnb place to stay, like all this stuff that if you didn't have that personal connection, it's going to be a lot harder for you to get, you know, that kind of service. So just keep that in mind, guys. Yeah. Yeah. That's a great point. Um, okay. So Peter, we got another great question. Um, when do you recommend buying insurance? So, you know, you got a lot of people just starting on Amazon. They might be doing like retail arbitrage or maybe just have one product, um, you know, something like that. Like, do you, is there any kind of recommendation that you have uh, when somebody should go out and, and purchase the insurance, you know, is certain sales levels, certain, uh, you know, what kind of criteria would, would you suggest in that sense? Look, that's, I think once a person starts getting serious, um, you know, if they, if they order a couple of hundred products and they just send it into Amazon to test the water and just, just to see what the sales were like, I mean, in my, this is just my opinion, you're still just testing. You're not, you're not serious. But as soon as you're sort of spending a, a reasonable, you've got a reasonable quantity, and I'm talking that I would imagine thousand or more units to just pluck a figure out of the air, depends on the cost of, of course. And, and then, of course, how serious a person's starting to get around their brand and their business plan. And once they're setting out on like a path of really getting serious with this, it's time to start thinking about it. The other thing to be aware of, though, is with the changing landscape of Amazon um, at the moment and that, that federal court ruling, we need to be aware that um, Amazon is sometimes delayed in responding to these sorts of things. And their response could very well be that one day we all get an email and it says, please upload your certificate of insurance because you're classified as a professional seller. In my opinion, it's not going to matter whether you're only selling 500 or whether you're selling 5,000. If they ask, you're going to need to have it. So I think that's something to really be aware of because... Um, sometimes it can be really difficult to get, um, depending on the product, to actually get the cover quickly. And of course, if there's a massive volume, you can only imagine if they send out that email, the, the backlog for, for insurance aids is going to be huge. Yeah, that, that's a great point, actually. Um, you know, that, that, uh, that ruling, um, I think it was in a district court. I can't remember exactly, but, I, but uh, you know, of course, Amazon's going to appeal that. It's going to go higher and higher and higher. Um, yes. but, um, you know, in the meantime, as a policy, you know, Amazon can require that from their sellers, which I, like you, like you mentioned, Peter, I think that's, what's going to happen is in the next few weeks, you're going to see a notification on your board that says, uh, you know, click here to up, you upload your insurance, uh, documentation. Um, you know, that's just a guess, but, but I think that's a good guess. I think that, uh, you know, Amazon's going to want to offload that risk, you know, as soon as possible, uh, because they, they, they're not going to want to be uh, liable for that. So. That's a great point. So Peter, um, you know, I'm interested in this as well. Um, so for me, you know, we sell in all kinds of different categories. We have all kinds of different products, which I'm sure a lot of other Amazons, I know Amy does too. A lot of, uh, you know, so, so when you go to an agent, you, you know, you're, you're not saying like, hey, I have, you know, this widget in five colors. You know, it's like I have, you know, 10 different, you know, product categories. I have, you know, me, me personally, I, I have over 800 SKUs. Um, 
how do, how is an agent you laugh at that but it's true <laughs> i know when, when people's eyes get big what's funny is i know some sellers who have over a million SKUs. so that, that to me that's that, wow. that's when my eyes pop um what are uh what are some high risk products and and how do you you know how do you create a package for somebody who has like you know a, a wide variety uh, variety of products like i think you mentioned earlier like pocket knife like what if somebody has a pocket knife and office supplies or you know in other words how, how do you craft coverage or or can you get coverage for somebody who's selling a huge variety of products look the the, the simple answer for that is you'd look at it on a, on a case-by-case basis and it would depend on percentage of turnover um, if your office supplies represent 90% of your turnover and your pocket knife perhaps that represents only 10%, then it, it would be very smart to look. And this is this is what your insurance agent or your insurance broker may do. It may actually be a lot more cost effective to perhaps, and this, look, insurance is one of those things which when you get a good broker and you get a good agent, they can be creative. They, there can be ways where 90% of your turnover might, might be with one company at a really highly competitive rate, but they don't want to touch the pocket knife. So they take the majority of the risk, and then we get you cover on the pocket knife with another insurer who charges a higher rate, but because it only represents a lower amount of the turnover. And that's let's be fair, if you're selling office products, at the low risk, that's why they'll take it. Yeah, if the thing you really want cover for is a pocket knife, because if it acts, if the spring fails and the knife point sticks out and jabs someone, they might want to sue you, yeah? So it kind of, when you think it through, it makes sense. But there are things you can do like that where you look at solutions of coming up with uh, a way of solving it for the client. Um, the high risk products, though, funnily enough, aren't things like pocket knives. They're, they're usually things in the baby category. Um, things to do with young children's toys and games, electronics, right? dodgy electronics out of China, if you want me to be specific, that don't meet certain criteria. Um, and so that's why I really, we advise people a lot on making sure that they have certification and testing when they're selling a lot of products that go into those categories because Rather than the insurer, insurer giving them a blanket no, if the person can prove and show certification and testing, which I think is just important anyway to cover yourself uh, and the correct warning labels and things like this, you can prove to the insurer that you're doing your absolute best to mitigate the risk and you're totally aware of what's actually coming out of that factory. Because let's face it, most of the things that you could buy at Walmart, Kmart, etc. in the lamp section, bedside lamps, bedside alarm clock, etc. they're all made in China. So how can they be made out of those factories and be getting sold out to millions and millions of people? Well, they're checked and they're certified and it's been stamped that they meet the certain, you know, that's not rubbish wiring and et cetera, et cetera. Insurers though, for a third party seller, are wary because they they got like this this person that you know they're an accountant they're a, they've got a day job they're doing this as a side thing how do we know that they're checking it properly so if you can if you can show those sorts of things you can um, in a way still get insurance for products like when I say baby that's a massive category 
like you guys know, it's like, baby, wow, have you seen the numbers in baby? <laughs> like lots of people get excited. So you can get cover for baby things, but you need to be aware that that is one of the areas where immediately they're going to ask for more information. Yeah, and you make a good point there, Peter. Um, I don't know if this, you know, uh, this is completely true, but I, I, uh, I was recently, I recently spoke at a conference this last weekend, and one of the presenters was uh, doing uh, Amazon insurance as well, and he was saying um, that um, if you don't carry the proper uh, certification, as you mentioned, or if you haven't done any safety testing, that uh, a lot of times your your claim can get actually denied um, by the uh, by the insurance. Is that is that true? Yeah. It, look, it's um, people need to do their due diligence and ensure that particular. It's it's specifically the legal cases I've read are things where um, a safety instruction manual is included, you know, or, or safety warnings, and there there are minimum safety standards to sell in Australia or to sell in the US, and a product must meet a certain classification and quality. Um, for example, if you're selling a, a helmet or something like that, the clips, the straps, the density of the foam, or there's all these different requirements and specifications that are required in various countries. And, uh, and I'm, from what I've seen, they're very similar from the US to Australia, Canada, etc. And people, as part of their due diligence, need to find these specifications and ensure that their product meets it. So if, if you buy a baby chair from Walmart, it's going to have a tag on it and it's going to say it meets safety requirements spec and it's going to give this code number. And that are the, those are the minimum requirements and the clip and the strap and the positioning and the measurements and the whole thing that that, that chair had to make in order for them to sell it. It's probably made in China. It's probably the, it most likely made there. But if you're going into that category, you've got to do a lot more than just give it a funky colour and a, a cool print to set up your small business side hustle selling baby chairs. You're going to make sure that that thing is safe. Like, I wouldn't go near it myself. I'd start with something a whole lot more simple. However, you could go into that and you could sell and, of course, you would do really well because, like, Amy's point that... Um, she brought up right at the beginning, she noticed that I said, and I say this to a lot of people, if a, if a category's got a lot of restrictions like that, if there are a lot of things, specifications that people have got to meet, testing that's got to be done, uh, analysis of what's in it that needs to be included, if there are a lot of barriers to entry, that can actually be a great opportunity. So we need to stop looking at these things as barriers and looking at them as moats protective barriers around our business that keep all the other competitors out, the people who are in there for quick cash, the Chinese companies who are going to be coming at us, that those Chinese sellers, they are coming on board, there are courses, there are podcasts with way more people that are here today and they are teaching the Chinese how to come in and do what we do. Now, we know our markets and we've got creativity on our side and we've got the ability to articulate amongst ourselves what our consumers like but they're trying to they can cut out the middleman better than we can they can do things a whole lot better than we can because they've got boots on the ground so having a few specifications or difficulties in there 
I think is going to be in the end the categories where you go, I think that was worth the hard work. So I would say to people, if it's hard work to get your insurance, realize that it's going to be hard work for everyone else, particularly the Chinese, because they're going to need to upload that certificate of currency of insurance as well. So if Amazon's asking us, they're going to ask them. And I don't know how they're going to solve that, but that'll be interesting. That, that's an interesting uh, point, Peter. And I think you you may need to start translating your uh, website into Chinese so you can be an early mover on, on that Chinese market. I've just had an idea. Hey, you, I think you have. I think that would be a huge, uh, a, a, a huge uh, opportunity there. Thanks for tuning in to part one of this episode. Join us every Tuesday at 1 p.m. Pacific Standard Time for live Q&A and bonus content after the recording at sellerroundtable.com. Sponsored by the ultimate software tool for Amazon sales and growth, SellerSEO.com and AmazingAtHome.com.